0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We're here to worship God in biblical simplicity. That's the first thing in our um, mission statement. Um, It's about Him. It's about His glory. It's not about us and trying to build earthly kingdoms, but it is about giving glory to Him. Now, tonight, uh, in the passage that Amy read from, from Exodus, um, God says that He will come and visit His people. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? (laughs) Um, It's both, really, you know. Because we know of a time when God came and visited his people. Literally, God became flesh. God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He literally stepped out of heaven and became a human being and lived among sinful men. And we crucified him. And he rose again. And... Now he promises salvation to all who put their faith in him. So that was a, a visitation of God.
1: But in that passage
0: in Exodus, it says, I will visit their sins upon them. Right? And, and God here is warning of a time when he would come and visit in judgment. Right? That, that is a time to be fearful about for some. Um, the visitation of God is a a kind of a dual nature event. It is salvation for those who place their faith in Jesus, and it is destruction for those who are his enemies. So tonight we're going to, to look at how we are to live in this world in light of the visitation of God that is to come. Um, We've been looking at First Peter uh, from the very beginning on. It's been telling us we are to live as believers, as, as strangers and aliens in this world. Like the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through, right? Um, and in that sense, we need to live in this world as believers. And I'm talking about believers understanding That we don't have the same priorities as the world around us. We don't have the same desires as the world around us. We don't have the same uh, uh, allegiance as the world around us. Um, If we are believers in Jesus, if we have trusted in him, if he has has caused us to be born again, our allegiance is to a new king in a new kingdom. And yet we live in this world that is dominated by... um, The kingdom of Satan, literally. We live in this world, uh, in that this time between the times when we await our coming king to come, and he will put all of his enemies under his feet, and he will wipe away all of our tears, and he will make all things new. We live as strangers and aliens in this world because we've been caused to be born again as believers we are new creatures in Christ he has he has he has made us brand new like a newborn baby he has has given us new life he has got, brought us from darkness into light he has he has changed us from the inside out and because of all these things uh, as as uh, we saw in in 1 Peter chapter 1 we ought to give him praise and glorify him because of the of the grace that he has had in our lives. Halfway through chapter 1, in verse 13, we saw a change in perspective. As the verse, first 12 verses was telling us all the great things that God has done that we should give him praise for, and then in verse 13 it t- changes and tells us then this is how we're to live. On the basis of the fact that God has changed us, on the basis of the fact that he has redeemed us and forgiven us, therefore we live Um, It tells us we're to set our hope on a future inheritance that we're to receive one day. It tells us as believers we are to be holy as God is holy. Uh, It says we're to be holy in all our conduct as believers. Um, And it tells us we have been bought, we have been redeemed, we have been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, Not with perishable things like silver and gold. Remember, we don't think usually of silver and gold as perishable, right? It's something we think is going to last. We're going to pass it down from generation to generation. But in in God's mind, silver and gold, it's all pavement, right? (laughs) It's all just going to pass away. It's perishable, but what will last forever is the precious blood of Christ the one who was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And then after he tells us that we are to to live in fear because of that, he tells us we're to love one another fervently. We we are to love one another fervently with sincere love. That's what it says here in in, verses 22 through 25 of chapter 1. We've been changed. We've been, been, if, if we're believers, we've been made brothers and sisters in Christ. We've been brought into a new family not of perishable seed but of imperishable Uh, that that perishable seed is talking about our actual biological family relationships our biological family relationships um peter says are perishable but the imperishable is are those relationships that we have with believers because we've been born again of an imperishable seed we have been uh we have we have been created as new people and and the new family we've been brought into is more enduring more lasting than the than our own biological relationships and last the last couple of weeks well in the first couple of verses of chapter two I'm, I'm just kind of reminding us of where we've been in the first couple of verses of chapter 2 he tells us now, we're to put away all old way of living and instead we're to long for something. We're, we, we used to desire and crave after things like malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Those were the things that used to characterize us and we wanted those things. We desired those things and instead he wants us to replace that desire as believers, and like newborn babies, like a newborn baby wanting to 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 nurse, we we are to long for that spiritual milk, long for the Word. And when we when we put our focus on the Word of God, our desires are changed. We taste that the Lord is good; that He is better and more satisfying than any of those things that we felt we could have joy in last week we talked about how he's creating a new community of people who are like living stones jesus is the cornerstone and he's building us together in a house and he talked about all those things that he is making us to become we're a holy priesthood a royal priesthood a chosen race a holy nation a people for god's own possession he was again telling us what god has done for us in christ and tonight we're back to a command. He's alternated here. He started with, this is what God has done for us. Then he tells us a command on how we're to live. And then he gives another, this is how what God has done for us. And now we're back to a command, this is how believers are to live. All of that was all introduction. Let's get to our text. Verse It's short tonight. We're just looking at verses 11 and 12. That is our desire. That is the desire of every believer here that we would be able to abstain from worldly desires and to desire you alone. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to keep our conduct honorable as we live in the midst of this world and that by our good deeds, we might win some to Jesus. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a short text tonight. Maybe that's why I spent so much time on the introduction. He says, Beloved. And I I, I wanna I wanna linger there. I mean, oftentimes Paul and Peter and the other disciples, as they're as they're writing scripture, they address their audiences as beloved, and and we might we might be tempted to just pass over that and get to we we'll get to the real thing. What what are you saying? Think of it, think of it. This is just an address, but what is he calling us as believers? He's calling us beloved. We if we're if we're believers, if we've been if we've trusted in him, if he's changed us, if we we've, if we've been adopted by God, then he loves us. God loves us, he, and and there is a love between believers that we share. Um, Jesus tells us that we would be known as his disciples because of our love for one another, and, and 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 so it's not just that God loves us, but He has implanted a love within our hearts for one another. And and Peter expresses this as he as he talks to the churches that are receiving this, and he says, "Beloved, these are people. He, he these are not just." Off distant people that he doesn't care about, but Peter is writing, beloved, and, and, and we should recognize this as ourselves. If we're trusting in Jesus, we are loved, and we are loved individually, and we are loved as a community by God. That is the basis of the command that's about to come. He's not saying, I urge you, as sojourners and aliens and exiles, to abstain from the passion so that you might be beloved. <laughs> no, he starts with beloved. They are already beloved. And as believers, we are already beloved. And that's what gives us the fuel in order to be able to obey. We don't try to obey God in order to gain his acceptance. No. Because we have realized that we have been accepted in the Beloved, because we know that we are loved by God, we have the power, we have the strength to do what He's calling us to do. And He urges us. It's, it's urgent. It, 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 it cannot be waited. This is something He strongly is urging us to do. He urges us as sojourners soldier, and exiles. This reminds us of where we've been already. He tells us we're supposed to live like strangers and aliens in this world, uh, as, as people who, who don't belong here. And as strangers and angels, aliens, we are to abstain from the passions of the flesh. We all have passions. And this is not merely something in, in the sexual realm. This is, we, 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 we follow our desires and our cravings. And, and sometimes that might be, uh, that might be it manifest itself in, in sexual things, but it also can be, uh, we, we, can, we can be driven by the passions of, of the desire to eat, you know, of, of the things we eat. We can be driven by the passions of wanting to talk about people behind their backs, right? And, and just feeling like if, if I'm not spreading gossip, then I'm not happy, right? And, and, and that, that, that can be one of the, the passions that arise within us. And, and Peter is telling us as believers, we ought not be characterized by that anymore. Instead, we're to abstain from the passions of the flesh. the the weakness of human frailty, those things that that our old person wanted to do and delighted in. No, we we abstain from those things, and he says those things wage war against your soul. Whether it be sexual temptation, whether it be uh, money, greed, wanting to get after whatever we can get for ourselves and not share with anyone else, whether it be... um, talking about people and slander and gossip and all of those things. All of those things are at war with us. Our very desires are at war with us. The, the very things that are sinful within us are, are alive and they are trying to destroy us from within. And so we need to recognize that these temptations, these desires within us are at war with us and we need to make war back. We, has saved us hallelujah he has he has caused us to be born again he keeps us by his power and this is not a passive thing where we can just sit back and enjoy the ride no he calls us to make war the victory is certain if we're trusting in jesus he is going to keep us and hold us but and never let us go but at the same time we don't just sit back as as passive and just let it happen. We have to actively make war with the fleshly desires within us. That is difficult. One thing that I think we ought to see from this is that just because we're filled with the Spirit as believers, doesn't mean those desires go away. he's telling believers. He's not just saying this to everybody. He's saying believers, people who are filled with the Spirit of God, people who have been born again, people who have gone from darkness into light. And he's saying, it's you guys that need to abstain from the passions because they're making war with us. We've all felt it. We've all felt the, the pull and the weight of sinful temptations, whether whatever category you can imagine. And we make war with those things. We're not content. I, and, you know, what someone asked, what is the difference between an unbelieving sinner and a believing sinner, right? Be, because we're both sinners. And one, the, the believer, we admit that and we Throw it on Jesus. We say, God, you died for me. You took my sins, and I'm giving this to you. Help me. And we begin to hate the person that we used to be and and desire and want to be more like Jesus. Our desires change. We we still have have those worldly and fleshly desires within us, but we have a new desire that's fighting and, and wanting and desiring to be changed. So, we, may, um, we abstain from worldly desires, the passions of the flesh, which wage war against our soul. And then he says, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We live in a world, like I said, as believers, as strangers and aliens. There's citizens of the kingdom, believers. We have a new king, a new allegiance. We live by the rules of our king. And then there's everyone else. And Jesus promised us that we would face hostility in this life. Jesus said, they hated me, they're gonna hate you too, right? A servant is not greater than his master. If they were hostile to Jesus, they will be hostile to us. They accused Jesus of blasphemy. He claimed to be the son of God. Well, he was. But in their accusations, they were were saying that he was sinning. It was true. The early Christians. The Roman world around them didn't understand that at all. When we talk, when they talked about the Lord's Supper and, and they talked about things like, you know, Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Of course, we know that's, that's taking communion. That's, that's the bread and, and, and the wine, or, you know, we as Baptists use grape juice. And, and, and we have to have communion with God through, through worship and, and, and through um, feasting upon him, but the ancient world, when they, when they heard these early Christians talk about eat my flesh and drink my blood, they, they thought that these early Christians were cannibals. And, and, and the enemies of them accused hurling insults at these early Christians. And that's not what they meant at all. They, they, they were meaning we, we share in the cup and in the bread. And, um, the early Christians were also um persecuted because they refused to worship any other god but Jesus any other god but the god of the Bible and in the ancient world they they you know they thought you know if, if you live in Ephesus then you had to worship Diana the, the 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 goddess of Ephesus because uh, the goddess of Ephesus was going to to bless their their city you know, with with a great harvest and all those things. And these Christians who were refusing to do so, they they had insults hurled at them because they refused to take part in this. And all the people looked at the Christians and thought, oh, look at how wicked they are. They're not worshiping the God we know. And it's the same today. If believers living in this world today Make the biblical claim that what the Bible teaches about human sexuality still matters today, that we if we hold to the biblical morality that marriage is designed for one man one man, one woman for a lifetime, okay, Uh, and anything that is a departure from that is adultery. Okay, if we, if we hold to that, then our culture around us looks at us and says, oh, you guys are so backwards. You guys are, oh, I mean, we're so liberated now because of the sexual revolution, right? Uh, you guys are so back, you're hateful. You're bigots. You know, there's something that's liberating and Really lifts up women about the sexual, uh, about the sexual ethic of the Bible. I mean, women were treated like property before. Before in the ancient world. And the Bible tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Like Jesus, or the, the Bible tells Christian husbands to basically die for their wives. Uh, that, that's unthinkable in the ancient world. The the Christian view of sexuality lifted up women, whereas the world today, they look at us and think, oh, they're just misogynistic patriarchs, right? We know what it is to be slandered because of the the things we believe. It, it, It says... Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak of you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So, we live in this hostile world, and Peter here is telling us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's telling us we're to live in an honorable way. We're not to talk back and revile whenever people speak evil of us. No, we're to turn the other cheek, like Jesus said, and we're not to to uh, you know try to be you know suing people and all that kind of things because of uh, but instead we're supposed to be living honorable and 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 living a life of good deeds. He says here in verse uh, verse twelve that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter here was probably alluding to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Peter here is saying, even whenever they slander you because of your good behavior in Christ, they might see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation you know one reason why we want to meet tangible needs in our community we want to do good deeds in panama we want to do good deeds like helping people who are in need of assistance we we want to do good deeds like giving sack lunches to children we want to do good deeds like Helping out at the kids' club. We want to do good deeds like power washing houses. All of those things, we don't just do them because we feel like getting up and power washing a house. We do them because we're motivated because we want people to glorify God. We want them to see our good deeds and not say, oh, those people are good people. We want them to see our good deeds and say, oh, that God must be a great God. He says that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And we're back where we started. God is going to come and visit us someday. Jesus is going to return. Forty days after the resurrection, Jesus ascended into heaven bodily, and the angels that were there told the disciples, in the same way you saw him left, he's going to come again. He is coming with the clouds one day. He is coming, and this time when he comes, he's not going to be Jesus, uh, lowly, meek, and mild. Jesus will come as King of the universe. He is going to come. Uh, the Book of Revelation describes it like with with fire in his eyes and a sword coming out of his mouth. Now that's symbolic language, but still, you think of it, he is not coming as somebody meek. He is coming at that time as a king coming in all of his regal majesty and he's coming to judge. The Bible tells us he will put all of his enemies under his feet. There will one day be a judgment and anybody who is still in rebellion against him at that time will be wiped away. They will be they they, they will not be able to stand before the judgment and the justice of our coming king. And we have concern for the people around us who are not yet born again, who are not yet trusting in Jesus. Our concern is, and why we want them to to turn their lives over to Jesus, why we want them to experience and to love Jesus the way we do is because one day there's a visitation coming. He is coming. And instead of, being wiped out, instead of being experiencing the wrath of God for eternity, we want our friends, neighbors, and loved ones to glorify God when He comes, to praise Him when He comes, to join in with us singing, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain. He has redeemed a people for himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Why is it so important that believers live lives that are honorable among the pagans, as it says here? Because there's a judgment coming and we want our lifestyle to be one where people see our good deeds and they want to know about our God. They want to know This God who has been so gracious and kind to us, who has redeemed us with his precious blood. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.